This episode is brought to you by the new Aunt May. 50 is the new 20. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Last King Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Taffy. I am your other co-host, Spider Eccentric Tom. And this is your other friendly neighborhood co-host, uh, Dr. Octopus Shafik. <laughs> Why Dr. Octopus? Because Are you like the superior Spider-Man now? Uh, because, oh, tentacles, bro. Tentacles. <laughs> you love the tentacles, don't you? Okay, so uh, shout out to our last anime episode. Uh, there you go. So but, anyway, what we're here is to talk about Spider-Man a lot because uh, recently the new Spider-Man Homecoming dropped. Oh yes. And we kind of want to talk a lot about it as well as its legacy, as well as what Spider-Man means to us. But before we start that, we had another really cool show based on the video game popping up as of late on Netflix. Oh yeah. That is the Castlevania series. Otherwise known as, oh my god, Castlevania is the fucking best. Oh yeah, it is, it is. I'm sure you guys want to gush about it. So, who wants to start first? Tom Um, or Shafiq? Where does Shafiq go as um, the venerated elder in the room? (laughs) Speaking as a person who was alive when Castlevania was a thing. Hey, I was too alive at the time. God damn, I didn't, I did not want, I have not wanted to play Symphony of the Night so badly after watching something like this. That's a good thing, that's a good thing. That's a a very, very good thing, because basically when I saw Castlevania appear on Netflix, I mean, if you do recall in the previous episode, I did have some sort of like, you know, diversions to like thinking like, yeah, maybe, you know, it may not be so good, maybe I'm like gonna, high expectations, low expectations, but goddamn. Warren Ellis writing a Castlevania, I didn't think that would work so well. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it's a miracle that it was competent in any way, considering you know the bad run we've had with video game adaptations of properties. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of bad yeah. adaptations, actually. Yeah, not only is it competent, it's damn good. Like, wow. I think the best thing about the Castlevania show is because it does not rely too much on the fan service or the trappings of the games. Yeah. But, but there is a the little bit. I mean, there is yeah. small... Segment semblance of fan service, like, but at the same, I mean, of course, these are the characters. That's Trevor. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's Sifa as well. Yeah, and okay, spoilers. Alucard does pop up, you know, yeah. finally in one of the most amazing reveals, and also at the same time, you know, I also like the fact that they also reference the references. Yeah, in a sense where like you know, who's the big baddie? Dracula, not just Dracula. Goddamn Vlad Black. the Impaler himself, yeah. Mr. Tepish. <laughs> Tepish. Yeah, and also like you know, I also like the fact that it is set in I don't know if it's historically accurate. Wallachia. Wallachia? Yeah, kinda. So that's Wallachia how you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> well they said it correctly in the show, which is something that got big brownie points for me. I mean like you have to understand, like when we heard of these town names is like usually in lore or in like text <laughs> on games. So, so yeah. when we're looking at it like Travagishte, Travishte yeah Travovisti. Stage one. Let's just go <laughs> stage one. <laughs> Level one. <laughs> Level one, yeah, there you go. I mean but if anything, right, uh, I would say Castlevania is, in essence, what a good adaptation is. Absolutely. Yeah, and also at the same time, you know, I mean, it's the perfect balance of storytelling, character, performance, action. And, I mean, my only main qualm is basically some of the animation gets a little choppy. Especially in the fight scenes. There's quite a lot of keyframes they use, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, animation where you can imagine that 
the animators didn't really have time to fill in the gaps. Which is weird because this script has been floating around for 10 years now. I think he first optioned it's probably in, more, yeah. Yeah, probably, because yeah, yeah. it first got optioned in 2007 and it's been bouncing around studios ever since. I remember there was a old Wizard article, there was a magazine about top tabletop gaming a long time ago and comics, yeah. where they were talking about a little bit about Warren Ellis' script back then, yeah. about the goat fucking and all that, which actually made his way into the final show. In the very first scene. Yeah, in the very first scene. I mean, not the first scene. First episode. First the first episode. episode. The first introduction to Trevor. And it's yeah, yeah. like, you know, in a random... That, that, that actual dialogue was actually in the old <laughs> script Warren Ellis did back in 2003 or wow. two. So I'm happy that they actually retain all that, but at the same time, holy shit, this adaptation has been thrown around a lot. Yeah, yeah. originally script, it was you know. optioned as a movie, and you can definitely tell because it's really damn short. It clocks in at 100 minutes. No, but it's a good two-hour movie. Yeah, yeah. it's I mean, a good two-hour movie, or a good four-episode I think season. the official term for things like this is the OVA, right? Yeah, the OVA. Yeah, this is an OVA. This yeah, is 100%. literally an OVA. And if anything, I mean, like, for, for all you non-anime fans out there, it's, like, it's a very, what do you call it, a mini-series? Yeah. Usually clocking in about four to six episodes. It doesn't go for the full 22-episode season, which I like especially, because the thing is, right, it's short, it's sweet, trims the fat like it's anti-anime it yeah. doesn't have no all filler. that filler no yeah filler. it is pure storytelling and it's utmost dilute not diluted um, concentrated yes exactly and also at the same time it's like you know it gets to the point very quickly yeah. and I mean like they resolve character arcs pretty quickly as well yeah I mean, I mean like, even the asshole archbishop uh, yeah, his character gets rounded up in the most satisfying way I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. and also I love the fact I think it's also the strength of Warren Ellis' storytelling where he knows how to in one scene set up the character dynamic oh yeah like the first time you meet Trevor Belmont you immediately know like okay this is what this guy is about and then when you do meet the bishop like yeah you know what this guy is about absolutely so it's like it's, it's not only just is, is it satisfying you know like when he gets his comeuppance but also at the same time it's like the, the story feels the pacing mm. you know is it's very sweet. It's very succinct. You know, the yeah. things move along at a pace that you know you pay attention to it, but at the same time, it leaves you clamoring for more. Yeah, and what I also like, it's got that thing which makes Brooklyn Nine Nine a really good TV show. In that, <laughs> even like, I know. Bear with me here. Bear with me here. Okay. It's the characters. You know, they have like you know Trevor Belmore is an alcoholic and a bit of like a, an asshole, but he's still really, really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And I find it, that shows especially in the final episode where he's standing around commanding people what to do, how to do it. Yeah. And he just the way that people just listen to him, you can tell this is a guy who was trained from birth to kill demons. Yeah. And it finally shows, even though most of the time we see him drunk and like, I oh, don't fucking care. What am I doing here? It's like, if I rescue your granddaughter, will you finally fuck off? Like, you're gonna die and I don't want you to die even though I don't like you. It's just, please, just go. I just like that he just dropped some bombs out there. Oh, oh okay, yeah. here's his daughter. By the way, you're all gonna die. <laughs> the way he delivers his I lines. Mean, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Belmont has some of the best lines ever. Yeah. And like, is is that lovely Warren Ellis touch? He knows. He knows. He knows which parts to adapt and which parts to kind I mean, of you expect, flip around and all like, that. Like Trevor Belmont to behave a certain way. Like uh, very prim and proper, is it? Like, I, yeah, you I have guess a very so. preconceived notion because the thing yeah. is, right, the last time we saw an animated Belmont was in the Captain N animated show. Oh, that's Simon Belmont, not and that, Trevor. And like, that is the, the most goofish, oofish. The foppish guy. Yeah, you know. Oh, guy. And then like, you think like, okay, you know, he's going to be prim, he's going to be proper, he's going to be extremely English. And then like, no, he's actually like a guy from the Midtown Midlands. Like, you can yeah. see his fall from grace. Yeah. You can see that, you know, he carries, he wears the crest of Belmont on him, but 
it's like a cross to bear. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to, but the thing is, there's like you no, know, there's that bitterness to his character, which I mean comes off, uh, I would say very subtly, but like if you pick up on it, like you do realize, like you know, he is proud of who he is, but yeah. the thing is, he's also kind of like pissed off with the world for like shunning him. Yeah, it's the reason why. Yeah, it's done by Richard Armitage, who was Florin in the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same reason why it works here, because. You know, back in the films where yeah, they're shit movies, but one thing they did well was you know showing Thorin groaning under the weight of his you know forefathers' names, and they he kind of brought that into here without you know the trappings of Peter Jackson or giving a shit anymore. I, mean, I would agree, especially because the thing is like he his performance, especially the delivery of Absolutely. his lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> it totally he totally nails it. I mean, like yeah. okay, I, I would love to mention like my favorite moment from Trevor Belmont is basically when he's fighting the Cyclops. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he just drops you know like even now got shits in my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, was that good. is perfect. You know, like yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm when really he's he's going to get shit the first time, it's like I never thought I'd be this desperate where I call for a literal tunnel. Shit! <laughs> 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 like just such a angry, like disgruntled individual. Like, <sighs> yeah, like yeah, that bitterness. Hi, my yeah. name's Sufa. I don't care. <laughs> 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 like, like, like just the way he just dropped it like that. Just the way he just said it. Yeah. But okay, I mean, like, I don't want to gush too much about the Castlevania series. Yeah. I mean, it's a scant four episodes, which you can definitely consume in about a hundred hours. It's the ultimate binge TV because yeah. it's literally like you do that or you watch a Transformers movie. Yep. Highly recommended it. by the Last Game Crew. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like if you like vampires, if you like. Uh, Good writing, great characters. If you like a little bit of blasphemy, yeah. <laughs> and if you like a shit ton of harder gore, yes, because wow, they do not hold back. That, yeah. that took me by surprise, especially like you know when they kill a baby yeah. <laughs> yeah. in an anime, yeah. like oh, hey. yeah, or you know the bits where it's kind of like you know pulled back, and you just see a demon just like smacking people into a wall, and you see a blood spatter with from the impact, and just like, guts all over the yeah. place, mm. like. Isn't this a bit where like they're trying to pull like guts down which have been draped like <laughs> oh, decoration? Yep, yep, that's a... It's like wow, very memorable visuals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, I mean, to me, like the, the most fanboy moment is definitely what happens in episode four when like you know the the, the side quest to this very video game movie. It definitely feels like a video game. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. definitely. <coughs> I mean, like it's not. I mean, if you're a fan of the video games and if you're looking for exploration or if you're looking for all these labyrinthian style like levels. It's kind of there. You yeah, know? I mean, they even have the Metroidvania element going in because they go back to the same location where he found what's her name. <laughs> the backtracking. Like, oh, yeah, backtracking. Yeah. It's like we're deeper than before. It's we're like, in the castle yeah, again. I know that feeling. <laughs> That's cute. You know yeah. what the, the most Castlevania moment what? is like when he's walking and then the floor just gives way. Yeah, yeah that, that's a yeah. Castlevania. Yeah, thing. yeah. And the floor lands like. Huh. Brace for landing. Oh shit! <laughs> and you fall again. Yeah. Like, you know, no, I you have to remind us of Castlevania One. God damn it! You know what? I, mean, I was like looking for the moment where he has to like traverse. Remember those that scene where he has to go through all these gears? Oh yeah. 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 I was expecting for him when he's like whipping across from what? Like, a fucking what? Medusa head comes out. Uh, a Medusa head <laughs> or a merman just comes yeah. up and just knocks him off. The, the, the sine wave movement. Uh, oh, or when the crushing trap starts, like oh, I remember this level. You as know well. what's missing is like that a dragon statue just randomly shooting fireballs. <laughs> yeah. at you. Yeah. No, you know a bone dragon, a bone no, dragon. You know what's really missing? What? Uh, wall, chi- wall chicken. 
What? <laughs> uh, wall turkey. Uh, you know the head, the leg, leg of hand that pops up when you hit the wall. You know, you know what's really missing. Oh, is yeah. it turkey? What's missing in this entire show is like he should be whipping more candles and getting more hearts. Yeah. <laughs> but we're okay with that exclusion. This, this, this. We'll uh, give Netflix you this one time. Series, for yeah. that I mean, this Netflix series, good shit. I mean, like, shit. it doesn't need any more fan service. It's perfect. I mean, like yeah. if you want to talk about fan service, yo, the Alucard reveal. Oh, oh yeah. When he pops up and he's like, okay, how are they gonna do this? Oh god, he's a badass. Not only is he a badass, he's the kind of badass you root for. Yeah, and he's got that kind of uh, like that foppy anime look with like, the long hair and like the like twink uh, body image. But mm-hmm. like, he's still like the most dangerous person in the room when they reveal him, despite that like, kind of very yeah. weak look. I mean, let's do a callback to our previous anime episode where I recommended you uh, Berserk. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, look, it's Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> no, especially like. Also, like, he's got a really long sword. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was so impractical. It's like... But then again... He seems to like, wield it just fine. You know, he like, is a like vampire. Yeah. Yeah, so. You know, but in essence, like, heavily recommended. It's the best four episodes you could watch. It's barely under two hours. Yeah, but watch stuff. it. If Give it a f- good watch. If you're a fan of Warren Ellis, if you're a fan of Castlevania, if you're a fan of anime, if you're a fan of Blasphemy... Yeah. <laughs> Please, heavily recommended by the Lost King Podcast. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now with that, we're gonna switch a bit of gears. We switch gears to from the streets of Transylvania to, to the, streets the streets of, of New York, Queens. Queens. Yeah. <laughs> New York, generally. Yeah. So we're gonna talk a bit about Spider-Man and how he influenced each and every one of us in a way. Before we do yeah. the main review. Uh, before the main review. That's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. So, who wants to start first about this, you know? You know uh, what? I'll, I'll give s- it to you, Toffee. Toffee. All right, all right. Or I can just briefly start by saying I only know him from uh, the movies. Ah, the, the, the Sam Raimi films, yeah, right? Yeah, and the PS1 game. Oh my god, that Which was a one? very long there time. Was a, that was uh, an Eversoft one? The one with the symbiotes. Yeah, that's the with, very first one. Yeah. Doctor Octopus was actually the last bad guy. He got... He, he actually had the Carnage symbiote mm, taking to, him over and to stuff. To me, yeah. the second best Spider-Man video game. Uh, uh, until the obvious one that's coming out, you know, the Arkham style Spider-Man. Oh yeah, yeah. Arkham Spider-Man. Yeah, Arkham the Spider-Man. PS4 I one. would say like the best Spider-Man game, hands down, all time is still Maximum Carnage on the 16-bit system. Oh my god. <laughs> really? Like that? That was like that. very repetitive, dude. Repetitive, stupid, broken, but you know But still so fun to play, I guess, you know, if you yeah. want the button masher. And the strange thing is like, it's not really a Spider-Man game, yeah. it's literally a Venom and Carnage game Spider-Man is like nobody played Spider-Man at least it's better than like the Spider-Man Sega game the one where it's a beat-em-up and then you have Hawkeye and what the fuck is oh I remember that what the fuck is Hawkeye doing in the Spider-Man game oh wait yeah Spider-Man collaborates with a lot of people I believe but I mean of course the best version of Spider-Man is of course from the Marvel games Mm. (laughs) there you go Spider-Man doing combos Marvel versus Capcom right nah I would say even all the way back to Marvel superheroes ooh yes yes like he and Wolverine they're infinites no like dude if you know how to do the infinites yeah you own the arcade yeah but if anything okay um this whole list, I would say, not even a list, this whole segment is gonna be us. Like, how this influenced us. Like, yeah. how, which, which Spider Man stories actually picked up? Maybe, maybe we should go the around the table and, like, maybe we start with Mr. Toffee and yeah. come back here. It's like, when did you first realize the existence of Spider Man and what kind of an impact he made on you? It was actually from the old 70s cartoon, which was actually showing <laughs> around the 80s in uh, back in Malaysia uh, on TV3 for, of all channels. Or for all you Tumblr people, where all the memes come from. Yeah, yeah. pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> that time when J. Jonah Jameson chastises uh, Spider Man for. Sorry, Peter Parker for being late with his stories and shit. Mm. Where it's like a roundabout thing, and oh, he's fighting the Green Goblin, he's fighting the. 
uh, Mysterio is fighting a Scorpion and all those other dudes. And then there was the Spider-Man and Friends show, which I've seen. The one where Firestar and Iceman from X-Men somehow popped up for some reason. Because they're probably cheapest to license. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We're talking about the 80s, because we're, we're yeah. nobody... All this shit happens, Before yeah. the Marvel money. Okay, this is literally them trying their ways to push yeah. the characters and push the branding. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to be honest, like, even before the comics came in with... Uh, I mean, I didn't read the 90s Spider-Man when Todd McFarlane showed off his shit, yeah. but... I only knew Spider-Man because of the old cartoons where it's like, oh, there's some corny stuff where Peter Parker is always, always talking about himself, like assessing the situation. Oh my God, this is going to happen. When I do this, I do this and that, you know? Like he's always narrating. He's always the self-narrating kind of guy. Mm. Yeah, which is kind of fun, kitschy, kind of cute. I felt that this was better than the Super Friends that showed up as well too back in the day. Like we had to choose, like, was it DC or was it Marvel at the time? I went the Marvel route because... Spider-Man was Spider-Man, like all his adventures were like, he's like a guy just juggling his uh, daily life, like, he's a reporter, but he has to be a superhero, how the fuck is he going to get through all that? I think mm. it's also safe to say, like, for almost a decade, you know, before Batman, like, Spider-Man was the number one comic book hero. Absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, because he was just so relatable. I mean, he was a teenager, just yeah. like you, like, yeah. just like his audience. You relate to him in that sense, like, his everyday troubles and all that, it was I mean, all yeah, stuff we've seen. I mean, I hate to say it, but that is the brilliance of Stan Lee, where he created a very grounded character. But of course, we have to also give credit where credit is due. Spider-Man was also co-created by Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Yes. And like, you know, oh, Jack Kirby and Jack Ditko. No, 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 Jack, no, no, Kirby. Steve Ditko. Jack Kirby is pretty much Galactus and uh, Thor and all that. Uh, right? okay. Like Jack Kirby, a bit. But Steve Ditko is to me the true father of Spider-Man because he yeah. did design the character. He was the guy who laid his mark. You know, like he wanted certain stories to happen, like. You know that whole thing where Gwen Stacy died because of the Green Goblin? Yeah. yeah. It was supposed to be an ordinary criminal putting on the outfit because Steve Dicto's way of like describing this situation is like anyone could be anybody killing anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So he wanted to have the whole objectivism thing, storyline going on with that. But Stanley was said, no, we kind of need someone related to Spider-Man in a way to be the main villain because that actually adds to more gravitas in a sense. Yeah. So because of that change, it ended up becoming Norman Osborn as we all know. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I think Steve Ditko was like fed up with this shit so he kind of left. I mean, like, it was brilliantly put together. This is documentary. I don't know if, what it's called. I can't remember right now. But it's, it was hosted by Jonathan Ross where he was literally going to New York to look for Steve Ditko with Neil Gaiman. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube or something. Probably, yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, like to me, he's the number one Spider-Man fan. Like, he was he would probably be the best guy to to like explain Spider-Man to you. But I don't know. How about you, Tom? All the way in lovely England, how were you introduced to Spider-Man? The first time I remember him as um, the game, sorry, the toys that you could get. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was game. so much merchandise. Yeah, that. like uh, the Spider-Man helicopter, like the web-slingers, which I kept on asking for every Christmas and I never got it. Did you have that web-slinger that you could attach to your own hand? No, because my parents knew how much of a mess it would make. So were, 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 were they selling the Arctic Spider-Man a toy as well? Probably. I have I no never, idea why. The f- I never got that because <laughs> they saw how much I never played with my G.I. Joes. So you Action Man in the UK. Oh, okay. You were introduced to the merchandise before you actually met the character. Yeah, like I, I but the first time I actually saw him in any action was the original Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man. Oh, I see. Yeah, but, that was my first introduction. But you were never introduced to like the animated series or even like the comics. I mean, I've seen anime? some. I saw the later animated series. I can't remember when it the came out. The one from the nineties. 
think so, yeah. Around okay. the same time as the animated Batman was kicking around. Oh, that was the 90s one from Fox. Yeah, that yeah. was actually not bad. Not bad. Well, I yeah. liked it. And the same kind of like art style as... Uh, because I watched the Batman animated first, and I liked it because it was kind of similar storylines, art style, character development. But I would say more like the 90s Spider-Man was on the tails of the X-Men cartoon mm-hmm. from the 90s. Yeah, again, one I watched maybe four episodes of, but also was really good. Surprisingly the 90s was brilliant. great for uh, comic book... Uh, yeah, before we had yeah. the MCU, we yeah, had these yeah, animated yeah. shows, which was amazing. Yeah. And this is all thanks to Batman. Yeah, and yeah. also kind of bad too. I mean, I saw the Iron Man and the Fantastic Four cartoons. They are not good. Iron Man, I still say, has the best theme song. Okay, the theme song, <laughs> yes. I will agree with that. Better than the X-Men theme song? Nah, no, nothing beats that. Nothing beats X-Men. the X-Men theme song, but I would say in terms of, like, you know, just getting you hyped. <laughs> True. Like, the lyrics is just literally, I... I am Iron Man. Like, yo. <laughs> you just want to. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't have an interesting enough rogues gallery to actually carry a show. Yeah. Which yeah. is, like, probably the weakness of Iron Man. But, like, look at Iron Man now. He's, like, got that. Once you put Robert Downey Jr. Actually giving a shit. As, and then as Iron Man, like, oh, all of a sudden, this C tier character from the 90s he's becomes like S-tier a tier. He's now S tier. Like, really? Yeah. Iron Man is not the leader of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. he's the one who gets killed the most. I mean, or beaten up the most. Yeah, yeah, I would say that, you know. But, I mean, I don't know. But my turn now? Uh, yeah, 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 my, yeah, yeah. So, my first introduction to Spider Man, being a child of the 80s, being of a certain age, was through this amazing television show called The Electric Company. Oh, my God. <laughs> Excuse me? So, The Electric Company is basically like a show where it teaches you things like, you know, words, spelling, dance. So, like Reading Rainbow. But Spider Man's in it. Oh, mm. okay. And like, he had the early 70s CGI web effect and it's literally once they cut away they just throw a net on a guy it's so cheesy it's so amazing and of course Electric Company gave us Morgan Freeman sir Mm. yes (laughs) that is true he he was easy reader look for it bro okay Okay. so like I mean you have to understand children's television back in the day Sesame Street Electric Company yo that's my shit (laughs) I mean I'm sure it is I mean not uh, I mean, I don't want to derail this conversation too much, but yeah. But the thing is, that was my first introduction to the character. Then I did pick up the comic books, because like around that time, before the internet, young man, and before I could This was the 80s comic, the 90s, or 80s. which storyline which story was the most prevalent around the time? And here's the strange thing, I can't remember any of it. I just remember I loved collecting him because of the how dynamic he looked on the covers. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to compare him to like, even like Superman or Batman, you know, it's like, Spider-Man always seems to be jumping out at you. And the yeah. thing is, all his covers, when you like, you know, like me as a little kid, like arranging them on my shelf, and it's like, it's just fun to like look at it. And like, I didn't really pay attention too much to the stories until I was probably a teenager. Because I've, like, in the 90s, when they started the whole Clone Saga trilogy with Ben Riley. Oh, that, that crazy shit that and happened. And then, like, in, in the early 92 with the Symbiote Wars, when they introduced like Venom and Carnage, like, when Spider Man felt like this is something that's catering to my new aesthetics. I think the one that jumped onto you the most was definitely Tom McFarlane's work. It was, it was around the 89, 90s for his and all design, that. But I would say like, the know, webbing, everything, like everything, the poses, all that. It's like, this is really new at the time and yet, I can't keep my eyes off of it. But I'm sense. also a big fan of the early 80s, like that Steve Ditko style where yes, he's yes. like swinging through New York like like Tarzan literally, <laughs> where he's like holding on to the end of a, like a web rather than he's doing all those like you no know, crazy gymnastics and yeah. all those crazy positions. But then again, like, you know, Spider-Man never ever took off for me because the thing is, once I discovered Batman... Yeah, it's quite hard to... Like, yeah, like, because the thing is, like, when it comes to comic book fans, right, the, the line is not 
Batman Superman is do you like Spider-Man or do you like Batman yeah. you know and then the thing is like I'm on the Batman side I mean I'm not saying I'm a total DC fan or I, I don't like Marvel but, but Batman like, just draws to you more I mean like I, I relate I don't relate to Batman but the thing is I find him a little bit more interesting like Spider-Man like I don't I'm like everybody was just saying Spider-Man is such a relatable character. Like he's just a normal teenager going through the trials and tribulations of being a teenager. You know, going out with girls, having a part-time job, and trying to save the city every weekend. Right? Yeah. And then the repercussions when you miss these things when yeah. you're yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. You know. And the thing is, is, like once they expanded his rogues gallery, because like Doctor Octopus, Electro, you know, these guys they are kind of dumb. No, no, they, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, Electro is dumb. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but they have their own moments. Um, Doctor Octopus. I believe there was a time when he actually took over Spider-Man at one point. Now, that's that was way actually really late. Yeah, that was but, I was, but we're talking about early on, right? Like when, when I was introduced to him, it's like the thing is, Batman had such amazing villains. And then we read a Spider-Man comic. It wasn't interesting until the crossovers. So we're like, oh, it's Spider-Man versus Juggernaut or Spider-Man versus Rhino. Mm-hmm. Like okay, that was interesting. When but he started joining the Avengers, and then yeah. once they introduced Venom. And like, uh, basically how like, remember during the 90s where they like, we're gonna redesign Spider-Man, we're gonna make him more modern, he's gonna be wearing a black suit from now on. Ugh. And then like, people were kind of rejecting it, but at the same time, they were kind of like... Agreeing. They kind of got that, because you yeah. know, it's like... It's because the it's the 90s! Parker, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Peter Parker was actually trying to... Because the Matrix is a topic, thing, yeah. everybody needs to be black and slick and all that. X-Men are all wearing black. And then like, I also love the fact that like, oh, the space suit... I mean the su- I mean, yeah the survival thing actually happened like l- early nineties. Matrix yeah. was like late nineties. Late nineties, but like the thing is, it has a very strong nineties aesthetic. Definitely. And then definitely. like you know that um, that brilliant moment where they separate the two, and then you have like the negative Spider-Man. Yeah. Like oh, he's Which is, finally yeah, a yeah. villain who is interesting. Yeah, yeah, and unlike other villains he fought, um, Spider-Man cannot actually detect his him coming in with his six with his sixth sense because spider senses because yeah. Yeah. again uh, the the venom suit actually blocks it off because of this. Symbiote, symbiote powers. I think they also explained it because it merged with uh, Peter Parker's DNA so yeah, much yeah. that so it, it can actually come mask as a threat. Yeah. Yeah. It can mask it. No, but then, then even how they branched off to like you know characters like Carnage and all that. You know yeah. what what happens if the symbiote was to go into a more psychotic villain, like a total yeah. asshole, and then like there you go, you have Carnage, and like that was super interesting to me. I because mean, something about Venom, uh, Eddie Brock, when he wore it, he actually had good reasons to hate Peter Parker. Like yeah, it was a yeah. because he lost his job because of Peter Parker. He was just basically a revenge arc, whereas yeah. like. When they introduce Carnage, like okay, here, here we go. Here's a villain that he, Spider-Man, cannot deal with. Because he always keeps going back to being the good guy, anti-hero, and then bad guy back and forth a lot. He's always switching his like modus operandi. Yeah, unlike I mean, unlike Carnage, where he's just completely batched insane. <laughs> like to me, like the Symbiote Wars was to me the peak of my interest in Spider-Man, and then like maybe a little bit of the Clone Saga. But like once it came into that early two thousands, and it just started becoming. I mean. There were some good stories in 2000, but I know what you mean. Like, you actually were hitting the It's a slump, yeah, you know, and the thing is, thank God for the movie. Because yeah. I would say this, the very first Spider-Man movie, if it wasn't for that film... We would we have lost would interest. Not, we yeah. would not have even this entire franchise building thing. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. No, because like, no, the success of Spider-Man movie, the success of the early X-Men movie, even yeah. like movies like Blade, because oh, yeah. for a long time, like during the 80s, we had the Superman movies, and then for like no early, late 90s, in the 90s, 90s, we had the Punisher. No, no, movie. We, we also had the Batman film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the thing is, right, it died out for a while. Nobody was interested in comic book movies. There were the few ones that popped up here and there, like, like I mentioned Blade. Like, even like the very misdirected Spawn movie. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, you know, once Spider Man with Tobey Maguire, the first Sam Raimi film, came out, dude. 
everybody loves superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, all we're of a back on track we're again. Back on track. Marvel, which li- yeah, films. which literally yeah. led to you know Iron Man movies, which literally led to this. And then like yeah. the thing is, everybody states that Ground Zero for the MCU was. Uh, the, sp- uh, the, f- the first Iron Man movie where yeah. they introduced the concept like this is gonna be a bigger thing Samuel Jackson's gonna appear for five seconds after the trailers and he's gonna exp- not right, after the credits and explain to you like there's more stuff but then like that wouldn't have happened without Spider-Man yeah, yeah. Spider-Man X-Men in, 2 yeah. also I would say you know like these yeah. are the the first two X-Men films at the, the very least these are yeah. the tentpole movies that now drive this billion dollar industry yeah though. yeah i think at the time studios didn't know what to do after releasing those but when the mcu thing happened they had a game plan already set out i still everything. think studios don't know what to do because if you well, under- i don't know okay maybe not dc but exactly marvel no, because the thing is, they do yeah oh yeah, thank you or fox but here's the thing like when they released uh, uh the, the, the very early era of the mcu universe and then you see DC is like, you know what? We're just gonna create a really realistic Batman movie. It's gonna be directed by this kid, Christopher Nolan. He's great. You know, trust <laughs> yeah. us. You know, and then like yeah. that shit came out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, hey, to me, like just going full circle. Hey, it's Batman vs Spider Man again. Yeah. yeah. Which side am I on? I, I hope Unfortunately, now I'm on Spider Man's <laughs> until the third film, and then suddenly uh, until Christopher Nolan de- decides to direct another Batman movie. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not, not gonna happen anytime soon. Well, no. oh, speaking of Batman, Michael Keaton. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, let's yeah, which we'll talk about much later yeah, for yeah. the main segment. So yes, this is our loving uh, tribute to Spider-Man, uh, but Toffee. Yes, I do actually want to cap this part off before we get to the review. Like uh-huh. we, okay, for all the good Spider-Man has done or whatever Marvel has done with Spider-Man, there were probably some really terrible things that this that Spider-Man has probably like a lot of really bad things that happened around that heyday, like from back then till now. So, I decided to just create this whole top 10 list. 10? 10, just 10. ten I mean, that's ten. actually... that's at, I mean, I, we were originally going to do 5, and then I realized, wow, that's actually a lot more Mr. stupid Toffee shit with the research. that happened, yeah. So, the top 10 worst Spider-Man moments, basically. Right. So, it could be from the comics, it could be from the movies, it could be even from the Electric Company show. What? It oh. could be, it could be. I said could. Don't you dare say. <laughs> so, we're just going to go My from... childhood. In no particular order. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, we'll start with... Number 10. Okay. Number 10. Number 10. The Spider-Mobile. <laughs> okay. That was awesome, okay? Okay, okay. For As all, a six-year-old for... child, that was an awesome It was awesome, thing. and then when you start getting the age of 10 and 11, I was like, he can swing from building to building. Why the fuck does he need a car in the first place? Yeah, for this shit? Yeah, yeah. And the same the... reason Wonder Woman needs a jet. Okay. Yeah. Good point, good point. <laughs> but here, here, when the comic released and all that, I was like, he was driving it, and then he was, turns out that He's too young to get a driver's license, and he was pretty okay. terrible at it. No, he couldn't even the car. afford a car. Right? That too. That no, working too. as a part-time photographer and doing schoolwork. That's at the a same lot of money, you yeah. know. Yeah. I wonder what Anne May gives in for allowance, but then she should be getting a lot of insurance money from Uncle Ben's death. Yeah, right? yeah, so that could work. That could work with insurance. <laughs> the there car. you go, Peter. Take but I put this <laughs> low on the list because it's it, the seventies. It gets worse. This yeah. stupid shit happens anyway. But again. Car for a guy who can just swing around and in, in buildings and shit. How is he hey. gonna take Mary Jane to the movies or to the prom, sir? Yeah, I mean, it's a bus, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, <laughs> we'll pick it up in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Right, depending on traffic. Oh, uh, we know how New York works. I mean, people can't drive; they take cabs and <laughs> buses and shit. Yeah, New York. It's yeah, yeah. shit to own a car in New York. All right, let's go with number nine. Number nine. It's the '90s Clone Saga, oh, I've heard of which this I just one. mentioned. Okay, which you mentioned, like. 
to be fair, like when the 80s, when, when the earlier parts happened with Ben Riley introduced for the first time and the Jackal coming in, that was okay because they wanted to bring some closure to Gwen Stacy. Like, yeah. apparently Gwen Stacy's alive after she's dead. What happened? Oh, this fucker who has a, who has a hard-on for Gwen Stacy even after death wanted to make a Gwen Stacy clone. And that shit happened, that was good. Then they continue on with this, where they had uh, Miles Warren coming in as a jackal, and then you got, oh, apparently Spider-Man isn't the real Spider-Man. Yeah, and then Peter Parker was it the just clone. went on and on and on for so many years, to the point where even Marvel created its own series, How to Kill Off the Clone Saga in 12 Ways. <laughs> that was how bad it went, alright? So you got least... Spider-Side coming in, you got Kane. Like, people we don't give a shit about coming in. A six-armed Spider-Man also coming in. It's like just it's like what happens when so many writers came in and they don't know what to do, how even, to resolve the arc. I would even say as the writers, I would say it's basically Marvel. Like we need to sell more toys. Yeah, let's have different that versions true, of Spider Man. Yeah, but I think that was the problem. The editors were like, Spider Man's a popular guy, and somehow this story we can't seem to end it properly. Even the writers do not know how to give suggestions here and there. This was a very messed up time before this guy, Axel Alonso, came in. I mean, it just went too convoluted for his own good. Not just Spider-Man, because you also have to understand, like, this came off the heels of the Apocalypse Saga on the X-Men side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, it's, I'm pretty sure it's like people at Marvel like, okay, do something like that. Do something that just game changes or just, like, blows people away. Like, oh, Peter Parker's a clone? Oh my god. You know, like, they had to try and top that happening. Yeah, and side. how would you do that and when the X-Men would you do did that? a better job at it? And yeah. the thing is, I can imagine like Marvel just basically scratching their heads or scratching their dicks thinking like <laughs> you know what six arm Spider-Man yeah that's what yeah. people want and here's the sad thing this co- this problem of uh, editors not knowing how to resolve shit has, hasn't been like I think even editors and from DC and Image all that they still have not learned their lesson up till now which we'll get to probably later on this list okay yeah so but we can't fault them too because you have to understand the comic book medium requires you to Always research Shit. your characters, Always right? Just punch out stuff, something yeah. every month. You yeah, know? that yeah. is the same thing. You don't thing. really end your arcs. You know, you have to make it last as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But so, anyway. Yeah, so we've got number eight. Number, number eight. eight! Number eight is the cancellation of the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. This came out around 2006, 7, 8, around that time. Okay. Yeah. The guy who did the Gargoyles animated show, Ooh, before okay. he did Young Justice, he was actually, he was actually doing this uh, two-season... Uh, 12, 13 episode show called Spectacular Spider-Man. He wrapped up the whole thing really well, but the problem is, again, because Marvel wanted to do another different Ultimate Spider-Man kind of cartoon, mm. they cancelled this one. Uh, basically the same thing that happened to Teen Titans, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Young Justice, Young Justice as well. I would also say Teen Titans, because Teen, Titan, Teen, Titan, Teen Titans Go is a piece of shit. Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> now, this cartoon was special because... The theme song was actually kind of catchy once you get the hang of it. Really? They actually fleshed out Gwen Stacy a lot more, along with... um, I like that a lot, yeah. uh, Who's the other guy? Um, Harry Osborn. His storyline was also pretty cool too, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And they they brought in all the villains, like Black Cat, Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus, Venom was actually, you know... And he brought was actually really good friends with with Peter Parker at the time. In this sto- in this current continuity, and then yeah. when they had him turning to Venom, it was sort of a really good way of twisting it. I would also say, like you know, to add to your point, right? I like the fact I like how they dealt they create they and added Mysterio. Yes, a Mysterio. very a very D tier character who's literally a guy with a cape and a fishbowl on his head. Oh, they brought in the enforcers in the first episode. And too. Yeah, like, hey, they they validated this guy yeah. finally, and then they actually had the better way of putting in Shocker in the show. They actually made one of the enforcers Shocker. You know, it the, made sense. Here's sure. my problem with Shocker. How, he is so interchangeable with Electro. Yeah. Like, what's 
why do we have two guys who like throw bolts at people? Okay, shocker is more like vibration sound. Uh, electro His can electricity. actually travel around like telephone wires and shit. You know, uh, electricity. I mean, he was perfectly parodied in Darkwing Duck, man. <laughs> no, but but this one in this cartoon, they actually did flesh out electro pretty well. He's an inferior complex kind of guy, and he didn't want to be a bad guy. It was actually more like. Peter Parker and the lab's fault for putting him the way, putting him in this position in a sense. Which was later. So he's more of a sympathetic villain in this one, was in this he, cartoon. Yeah. Was he also played by Jamie Foxx? No, he oh, no, no, no. Thank <laughs> God, no, no, he was. We're gonna mention that soon. Huh? He was, well, he was, he was voiced by Crispin Freeman actually, a really high-profile voice actor at the time. The very distinctive dark voice, you know. Now we're rather him voiced by Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. anyway. All right. So anyway, uh, number seven. Number seven. seven. Spider-Man, the Spider-Man musical that came out a few <laughs> mu- a few years after Spider-Man Three came out. I forgot this was a thing. This was a thing with music by U two. Uh, oh my god! Uh, um, the, the Edge, the Edge, the Edge from U two. The Edge of U two. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I actually kept track with news about this, and actually saw YouTube videos of the actual stage play, yeah. which happened like once, and then they stopped it after a few weeks because people yeah, died <laughs> heavily injured. And also died. What was special about this was okay. Sorry, quote unquote. Special about this was its storyline. Apparently, there was someone called the God of Spiders being involved in this, uh-huh. and then Spider Man had to fight Green Goblin, and then uh, it was a, it was a Spider God who somehow took Spider Man's powers and then giving it back. Kind of like the Shattered Dimension storyline. Right? In a way, in a way, but shittier. But shittier. But shittier. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah, and then as Tom mentioned, apparently a lot of. Uh, lead actors had to be switched around because a lot of them had to actually go through a lot of uh, what's that um, acrobatic training yeah acrobatic training as well as like, falling down so yeah. injury and, and all that and singing through a mask and this was actually delayed for so many months until it actually happened in New York and it's um and it uh, obviously was critically panned. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. here's the one thing. Did we even ask for a Spider-Man musical who, in the first place? Exactly. Who asked for this? Yeah. And like, who thought that this would be a good idea? I mean, that's probably the most specific Venn diagram ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man fans, Broadway, Broadway fans, fans. Yeah. Like, YouTube fans, YouTube <laughs> fans. It's like five people fall into this category. We're gonna make it for you, yeah, just for you. Yeah. And they didn't even show up. And you guys, <laughs> and you guys, you actually see the interview videos they've been doing for this. You can find it online. It's like, it's like the most spectacle, like the most hilarious thing you'll probably see in your life. It's like, well, people forcing to praise stuff which they know yes, is shit. Yeah, That's my yeah. favorite impress junkers when you can tell the actors just don't care, but they need to say like, yeah, no, it's great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking when it comes to writing songs, what do you? What rhymes with Spider Man? Uh, can <laughs> does whatever a spider can. can. There we go. We got something. <laughs> all right. So okay. all right. So back to number six. Number six. I'm not a fan of Mary Jane in all three Spider-Man films. You from don't Ray like Kirsten Dunst? Uh, I like Kirsten Dunst, but I don't know what the hell happened when they gave her the script. Like, oh, she's gonna be this. Um, the she's basically just a trophy in this films. Oh yeah. Well. Welcome to early 2000 storytelling. I guess that happens probably, but at the same time, you feel like you could 
actually replace her with another actress and people won't actually bother I mean you won't even notice I just put a couple of cuts out and no one would have noticed exactly yes, and yes. it would have made the subplot of her being a terrible actress being more funny if it was like an actual like couple of cuts out be a great like I remember <laughs> subversive more about the performance of Kirsten Dunst or no 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 this is about the performance and no no Kristen Dunst oh, is a solid actress how the, the character was written yeah. yeah written portrayed everything like when you see the comics and then when you see the cartoons Mary Jane has always this spunky girl who takes no shit from guys yeah. until she ends up marrying Peter Parker in the end but here it's like she's like Gwen, the, the worst parts of Gwen Stacy Mary Jane combined into one from the comics like the ultimate shows. set decoration yeah the ultimate set decoration she's basically somebody who screams to be rescued all the time right yeah, and literally much. every movie she has to be rescued it's yeah. just her constantly screaming and, and not learning and that's, I can understand from the first movie they gotta have the token damsel of distress Yep. But in the second and third movie, by God, she does not even learn her fucking lesson. No, absolutely at not. all. Yeah, I don't even remember the third movie. I just remember there she was go. on a car covered in web up high, and, and then yeah. there was that whole thing where the bri- where Peter Parker and Mary Jane were at the bridge. I'm gonna break up with you, and then you see Tobey Maguire doing his puppy dog face as he's always famous for uh, doing. Uh, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. Tom's doing the best impression. Unfortunately, it's an audio show. You can't yeah, see it. Yeah, the sound helped like kind of yeah. paint the image. But okay, you know what? But yeah, like, this... we cannot complain about Tobey Maguire being the whiny kind of Spider-Man, but I complain he... more about Mary Jane, uh, Kristen Dunst as Mary Jane not stepping up for this. So it's more yeah. the script, less the, char- the actress. The script, because less of the actress. I think that's right. If there's any... She has less to work with, unfortunately. If you there's know? anything redeemable about Mary Jane, Kristen Dunst Mary Jane, it's basically, you know, like... What she wore during the rain sequence. <laughs> okay, I'm not complaining about that. Oh, I'm not gonna complain about that. Yeah. Oh shit! It must have yeah. been a cold day then. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, but again, with uh, apart from that part, Mary Jane weakest link in all Spider-Man, all three Spider-Man films. Okay. All right. Next up, number five. Number five. Since we're on Spider-Man, the the, the original trilogy, yeah. let's talk about that Spider-Man three scene that happened halfway through. Oh. <laughs> I think you know what the hell I'm talking the about. The dance sequence, right? Like, Not just that. When he actually got the black suit, when he starts putting his hair back, when he just went out from his apartment, yeah. he doesn't doing that little dancing going alive, on. Uh, number. Yes. This is exactly what we want in a Spider-Man movie: a yeah. dance number. <laughs> now, I was too young to be taking in illegal substances at the time but it's <laughs> I kind of wish I did you yeah. still are sir <laughs> Matt. well the, it's the closest I experienced to probably just having like a bad trip it's like what the hell is going on now what's going on here I remember like part one and part two actually set the tone really well for Spider-Man films and then we got this melting pot of a semi-disaster of a film semi-disaster semi I, I thought it was okay until mm. these bits start coming in and this dance thing where Spider- oh, sorry, Peter Parker was trying to one-up Mary Jane in a way mm. to impress Gwen Stacy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard at the time. She was... Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's her. Yeah, wow, that's her. from Jurassic Park. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so he was like, everyone all shoved away on the side and then he was doing like, let's do this and some shit and then combed his hair back and then he did some hand gesture and suddenly you can see the wind blowing in uh, Gwen Stacy's face. This was like... This is like 80s cornball yeah, shit you it see. Becomes, it becomes storm for that one moment where you can start yeah. doing gusts of wind. Yeah, yeah. And then the dancing and 
My god, what the fuck? <laughs> just talking about this makes me angry, holy shit! There were two dance numbers in Spider-Man 3, I just yes. realized. Wait, wait, okay, it was that one, and then the first one was... When he's just walking down the street. Oh, like the street walking thing, okay. That's not like, much of a dance, more like a strut, but it was leading he, up to this. He danced when yeah. he got his new stuff, he started doing this, like, yeah. the Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, yeah, getting that whole like, oh, I'm a confident kind of guy. Yeah. Whatever. It I guess it worked because in a way it's like a comic book kind of film, but this pushed it beyond like parody in a sense. This whole scene, like you cut it off, it'll be like, yeah, okay, we should have cut it off in retrospect. I mean, yeah. that's strange for me is like, you didn't like this over Topher Grace as Venom. <laughs> that's the thing, Topher Grace, okay. Because you cannot actually remove the whole Sandy show uh, vibe from Topher Grace, this one, I felt that this did a really good job with Venom a little bit, but the problem is, again, too many cooks pulled the, spoiled the broth. You got three fucking villains in the third film. Oh, yeah. That's what made it wrong, yeah. But I did feel that that was, the, that was the least of its problems, like, stuff like the dancing actually ruined Spider-Man 3. Alright, so, let's not dwell on that too much. Yeah. Number four. Number four. Number four. Maybe this would, maybe I shouldn't say, like, in order, because I felt that the MTV Spider-Man CGI cartoon was more forgettable than bad. Okay. Yeah, so it was actually a whole series that came out after the first Spider-Man film came out. Uh-huh. MTV wanted to cash in on all these like, um, cartoons. Yeah. So they decided to make a 3D animated Spider-Man film starring... Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. And I'm not sure who... Oh, Lisa Loeb voiced the Mary Jane. Oh. And a bunch of other dudes I don't care about started <laughs> becoming guys like Electro. Electro in a cloak and he's bald, if I recall. Okay. And a bunch of other villains here and there. I won't say it's a terrible mark for the Spider-Man films, for the Spider-Man uh, moments that we have described, but it's more like the most forgettable one. Like, We know we wanted a new cartoon, but to be presented in the worst CG possible and to be presented with people who do not give a shit about the lines all that, I felt that this was the ball they dropped for cartoons and everything. Luckily, at least after those few years, we get more amazing Spider-Man cartoons, but this was more like... You, if I told you, if I didn't tell you about this, you guys would have known about it, right? Yeah, and I feel like my life is worse off for you telling me that this was a thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we can just skip that. I mean, Shafiq, you haven't seen this, right? I don't wanna. Okay, yeah. good. Then don't. Alright, number... How many have you got here? Number three. three. Oh, number three. Um, Yeah, number three. I think you guys can agree with me on this. Uh-huh. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, wow. Where to begin with this? Where to begin? Do we have to? Because, my god, that, that was, was a such a clusterfuck of failure. Have we? I don't think we've mentioned Electro anywhere in this show, right? Have we? We uh, did, Apart from, yeah, yeah, like, okay, let's, yeah, the big elephant in the room, Jamie Foxx playing Electric Steve. I'm Urban. sorry, Academy Award. <laughs> Academy Award winning Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox. playing Electric Steve Urkel. Mm, with yeah. the worst villain motivation ever. I'm angry because he didn't say hi to me in an elevator. Because he's not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, yeah, and then they've... they... They brought in Rhino, played by Academy Award winning Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have... Uh, oh my god, there were so many villains. Dave okay. Dehan as Green Goblin. Yeah, Green Goblin. Why was he there in the first place? Because like, Norman Osborn died of some degenerative disease and he needs um, Peter Parker's blood. Even though he still has like 40 years to get around to doing it. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing, the problem with this, like, again, I, I give props where it's due. Emma Stone was a good Quinn Stacy. Yeah, and Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. Yeah, a bad Peter Parker, but a good Spider-Man. He's a good but Spider-Man, yeah. Everything around it, it was just unre- irredeemable garbage, honestly. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think there's not much to be said. I mean, everything's a clusterfuck. We can do it. Everything, everything, like clusterfuck. Yeah, clusterfuck. Everything was like, is everyone is linked to someone? Like you know, everyone's a fucking scientist in this fucking show. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just so sad. Guess just bringing it up just makes me fucking angry. Yeah. Uh, Shafiq, you look a bit downcast. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 2 sucked. Okay, there you go. There <laughs> goes, Amazing right. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man yeah. 2, not bad. Good shit. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Alright, so, number two. Number, number two. two. The Fast storyline. So, for all those who don't know what this arc is, apparently Peter Parker got this letter from Gwen Stacy, post-mortem of course, uh-huh. saying that, oh, apparently I, I have a daughter and a son. Okay. So there was a whole fight going on, and apparently these two were led on by Norman Osborn, who's still alive in this comic book series, by the way. Okay. So here's the thing that actually struck me, made me angry about this. The reason why they were conceived was apparently Gwen Stacy had sex with Norman Osborn at one time. Uh. Yes, this happened. Okay. So a long time ago, apparently, when Norman Osborn called uh, Gwen Stacy down at one point, I think. She was drawn to his magnetism at one point, so there was a one-night stand that happened. And because of this, Gwen Stacy, after a few months or so, I think, bored children. And then they were keeping it a secret, because comics everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just not getting out of the fact that Norman Osborn is an old man. Like... I don't know how this got conceived as a storyline, to be honest. Because I'm sure the guy who wrote it is also an older man who kind of <laughs> hopes that, you know, young women want to be with him for his sheer magnetism of personality. I guess so, but apparently this whole storyline kind of got swept under the rug. But at the time when it came out, like a few months after it came out, it just actually painted like Gwen Stacy in a very controversial light. Yeah. I mean, it's better when you think of it as Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn. Not really. Oh, oh, it does because when he's making those faces, pointers uh, <laughs> and all that, that okay, that would be face. funny. The problem is, I saw Lars von Trier's Antichrist. No, I don't want to imagine <laughs> that. There you go. <laughs> See, flashbacks. Yeah. No way. Oh man, him mounting Emma Stone. Uh, like, <laughs> that would be bad. And then crying later. No. <laughs> Long story short, this actually kind of tainted the whole Spider-Man legacy and Queen Stacy and all that. But okay. Luckily, people don't talk about it so much. Yeah. Speaking of tainting. Ah yes, number one. Number, number one. one. The most. I think we all know. I think everyone who's been listening is probably knows what the hell I'm going to refer to. Uh, yeah. One more day. Yep. Okay. Even I've heard of this and I've yeah. not read the comics. So basically to recap, one more day is what happens when a editorial when your editor in chief wants to make a particular storyline about Spider-Man and can and the writers are knee deep into knowing what to do. So what Joe Kosada at the time wanted was to separate Spider-Man away from Mary Jane because okay. he wanted to go back to the young days when Spider-Man was doing all these crazy young people adventures. Okay. So, Basically a hard reboot nobody asked for. Yeah, a hard reboot nobody asked for because at the time Spider-Man was a school teacher, he was all good with Mary Jane, the, the Civil War should happen. Yeah. yeah. Now the thing is when they did the reboot, the reboot was actually done because Satan asked uh, this, the the Marvel equivalent of Satan Mephisto. asked yeah, Mephisto asked for their marriage. Cannot take it back and all that, and then whoop, we're down to a brand new day comic line where Spider-Man's doing his, he's now single, still, still staying with Aunt May, and then doing his adventures. First thing, no one asked for this. Yeah. Second thing, it was pulled off in the worst way possible, making Peter Parker as emo as possible ever since May got shot. 
And she got shot because of some civil war shit, oh, okay. basically. So. Oh yeah, because he came out as Spider-Man. Yes, yes, in public and everything. Yeah. And the way it's been handled, I mean, I don't know how you could handle this because I've never written for comics for Marvel, so... The way they pulled off, terrible, like... They have like this uh, demon, like this figment of uh, Peter Parker's imagination coming out, like a young daughter. Like we could tell that's probably like a young daughter that Marvel, uh, Peter Parker would have had. But she got saying, "Oh, you made this decision. It's gonna be bad. Are you sure you want to make this decision?" Like always reminding him back and forth, like while he's thinking about his deal with the devil shit. So yeah. it's just so fucked up, you know. Like the way they pull it off. So. I suggest you read it just to see as a like. No, I a suggest you don't no, no, read it as a way as a case study on how how not to do comic books. I'll read it for free. I won't spend. Yeah, yeah. Money don't spend money on this shit at all. Yeah. This is more like a case clear study on how to not write for comic books. Uh-huh. Period. So badly handled, badly badly edited. No one asked for this. Fuck this one more day shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well. Uh, uh, and with that final fuck you, I think it's time for us to take a quick break. Yes, yes. And we'll come back with our review of Spider-Man Homecoming. God, I need a drink, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catch your seeds, just like guys, look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. And we're back. Back in the bag. Yeah, here we go. All right, we're swinging back. after swinging that back rambling in. from... Me from up Spider Man. I thought let's just cap it off with the Spider Man. <laughs> with our review of Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. Tell us what you think, guys. This is the best Spider Man film to date. Travesty. What Even better than Spider Man Two. Really? <laughs> it is absolutely the best one because it's the first time we have a guy who's the perfect Peter Parker and Spider Man. Okay. I will not contest that. Tom Holland has a has a really good balance between innocence as well as action portrayal or Spider-Man. Yeah, and he does that kind of like Spider-Man gab thing perfectly. We saw that. Yes, we saw that for Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, of all the movies. Yeah, but also in Civil War. In Civil War, the hint of it. Yes, yes. When he's fighting against um, uh, Bucky, uh, he just catches on. Winter Soldier. Soldier. You're a nerd card. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say about thought, wait, why not? And he says, oh, you have a metal arm? That's so awesome. And he's holding him in place. Mm -hmm. And we have again signs of how strong Spider-Man is in a really good scene later on, but let's just talk about generally what this movie is. Maybe a little bit of a preface. Guys, what, what do you think of the story of this new Spider-Man? It's simple. It's, you know, it's a standard uh, kind of like teen <coughs> drama slash Spider-Man thing where it's definitely a smaller movie. There's less big action scenes. There's, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, there's no action, but it's just that it's definitely more kind of small and focused around this one younger character. But a pillar of well, because you can sense that he's chafing at the bit because he had that taste of really big action at the airport. And he wants more. He yeah. definitely wants and, more. And, uh, you know, he's not being allowed to by Iron Man. Like, Tony Stark is saying, no, you're still too young. Because I think he's still feeling a bit guilty from the end of Civil War. He's kind of, like, unwilling to kind of bring him in. And you have that kind of dynamic going on, kind of like, you know, the reluctant father figure and, you know, the budding teen trying to be more because you can definitely tell that he's not as into uh, his schoolwork anymore when he used to. Which is what I think is good about this new Spider-Man movie because it cre- creates a new dynamic. Because yeah. or- everybody knows the origin story of yeah. Uncle Ben dying. I'm happy that they did not actually yeah. do the repeat. Yeah, there was no flashback. There was not Total- even a reference to it. 
And I mean, because we kind of know already after so many goddamn Spider-Man films. Yeah, this I mean, is the third reboot, you know. Yeah, the <laughs> third reboot. My like, God, this is the third Spider-Man in the span of our lifetimes. And I also like the fact that you know, instead of him, no, wait, second reboot, because you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want to be count, yeah, yeah. But I would say this, like, um, this new dynamic between Tony Stark and Peter Parker is the kind of thing that we've never seen before, because yeah. it's usually him working on his own, trying to protect Aunt May, trying to protect uh, Mary Jane slash Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Slash and it's about a man trying to uh, accept his adulthood his yeah. manhood and try to take on uh, various positions but then here we have Tony Stark played very uh, you know well by Mr. Robert Downey Jr. himself yeah. you know in his 15th or 16th movie he's he's been in almost all of them yeah, yeah. You know, and it's nice to see like you know an older man like you know parental figure who, who doesn't die yeah. Well, he he. I think I didn't shoot him right. He didn't give him the great great power, great responsibility statement. No, I mean they never say that line they, in this film. They sort of allude to that in Civil War when we came across Peter Parker for the first time in that room. Yeah. But that's it. That's it. And in terms of parental figures, man, Mercy told me. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the elephant in the room. It's not really the elephant, right? more like the fox. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, besides the fact that you know, for a woman of her age, you know. Mm, Mm. Uh, but how does she contribute to the story? She's not. She, she's a side character, yeah, basically. She's not, yeah, she's there. But you she's know, not, she's an anti-guardian figure, but that's it. Yeah, but I feel like it would have diluted the core story if they added a lot about her. She's just yeah. kind of there, and it's definitely Peter Parker's story of him trying to be the bigger hero, even though everyone else is telling him to, you know, cut some slack. It's the friends who do know he's Spider-Man telling him. No, you can't do this, you're in over your head, you still need to do school. It's Tony Stark saying, look, you're still too young to start risking your life. And there's a really good moment, like, it's in the trailers, after the Staten Island Ferry gets split in half and he gets confronted by... Uh, Stark. Tony Stark. And he's, he says, like, you know, what if you die next time? That's gonna be on me, because he's the one who kind of brought him into this wider world. So the responsibility is now on Tony. Yeah, yeah. and it's... there's... It's definitely like the hero's journey of like, you know, he has this powerful thing, it's taken away from him, he has to learn to rely on his strength alone rather than, you know, having a super suit, which is pretty much what it is. And yeah, it's, I don't know what else I can say, which is great apart from like, you know, all the uh, side characters, mm -hmm. they're great. Some are a bit one note, but I feel like they- I think they're supposed to be one note, yeah, but at least to give it's, focus. It's a good one note and you don't feel like, you know, no one's phoning it in. Like, you know, even a new Flash Thompson, played by the guy from um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, okay, that's what I recognize yeah, him from. Yeah. Oh my god, okay, okay. And his new Filipino sidekick. Ned, yeah. Ned. Ned. Yeah, he's, think, he's great. Yeah, he's cool, he's cool. But should we also mention the other controversy, which is Black Mary Jane? Yeah, it's not Mary Jane, it's uh, Zidania plays this girl, Michelle. Who just happens to have the initials MJ at the yeah, end of the Yeah, they say film. at the very end, oh, my friends call me MJ. You have friends? No. <laughs> Like, she's this excellent, like, you know... Starky, starky girl. Yeah, she keeps, like, talking shit to Peter, even though you know it's because deep down she really likes him, but she doesn't know how to say it. So, they do so she's it. just really mean to him. They are establishing a sort of love connection, right? Yeah. 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 Like, multiple times in the film, like, why are you hanging out with us? Well, I have nothing else to do. I think also another thing I want to kind of bring up is the fact that... She's aloof. Yeah. yeah. That's the word. I mean, besides that, she isn't the rescue bait of this movie. No, no, she's... She's not the reason for... There are no life. rescue baits, actually. It's yeah, more no... like the city's in trouble. Spider-Man's gonna come and help. Yeah, like, the only, like, damsel in distress moment where the love interest is in danger, she's in danger, but so is the rest of his class yeah, and his a teacher. Yeah, people. Yeah. So it's not like the oh help me I'm you know being kidnapped no you just happen to be in a place where actually it's not the villain who caused the issue it's his dumbass friend who brings in 
a Chitauri nuclear bomb into the <laughs> oh, Washington Monument. Well, he didn't know any better. So of course, he didn't know any better. <laughs> but still, like, it's good that they're playing with that kind of trope and yeah, not, yeah. you know, lazily relying on what you know the original trilogy did and what you know the Amazing Spider-Man series did as well. Not even did try to do it. Yeah, but okay. Speaking of you know what they tried to do, Michael Keaton as the goddamn vulture. Oh yeah, that's good. That's it, good he, stuff. He's great. He did what I'm calling the Heisenberg um, villain arc. Where he starts off as, yeah, he's not necessarily a good guy, but he's just trying to do right by his family. The reason why he becomes Vulture is because he was originally contracted to help clean up the mess after the Battle of New York, and he gets shot up by a government uh, body, and he gets he spent a lot of money trying to get money out of this. Like he hired new people, he hired diggers. He was also in debt, so he starts stealing, um, stealing alien tech. Yeah, and selling it on the black them. market, and then. Eight years later, obviously he's gotten a taste for it. He's become really good at it, and that's developed him as this kind of scary. He's scary because you know he's doing it because his heart's in the right place, but he becomes just ruthless because of it. But I mean, not quite tragic, right? No, he's yeah. not tragic. Like compared to the original Vulture, I like this Vulture a lot more. Oh no, he the original he Vulture is barely. It's just an old man <laughs> who has tech stolen by Oscorp. That's who it. looks like yeah. a Vulture. <laughs> But this strong. one is Vulture by concept, basically, because it's taking the scraps and doing something with it. No, but like, what, what do you think about the dynamics between uh, Spider-Man and the Vulture? Like, it works. It, it works. works. I mean, there's not a lot of direct confrontation until the very end. And it works because um, he finds out that Peter Parker Spider-Man, indirectly, yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. driving to the homecoming, like, the title of It's the not film. comic book logic, thankfully. This no. is like clicks together. Yeah, he just say like, you keep on disappearing. Huh? Like, even in Washington, you just disappeared. This motherfucker, you're the <laughs> one who's be causing me issues. And then he says, honey, you go off to the dance. I'm just going to do, you know, the, the dad, dad talk. talk. And yeah. then he pulls out a gun and says, you know, because my daughter likes you, I'm not going to kill you, but stay the fuck out of my business or you're going to die. <laughs> it's like the perfect Keaton, you know, dead face, like, I will fucking kill you. And it works really, really well. Chang- Considering he's yeah. Batman before, yeah. yeah, it works. It works. I mean, like this reminds me of that scene in like the original Batman. I mean, in the eighties Batman movie, mm-hmm. where he's like going toe to toe with the Joker. He's like, "You want to see crazy? I'll show you crazy." And then that yeah. face he makes. You know? Oh yeah, the Keaton face. <laughs> and also a good point is you know the final third act where the final showdown. It's not you know a beam in the sky that they're trying to stop. Finally, yeah. No, it's a plane that's been hijacked. They crash the plane and he fights on Which Long gym? Island Beach, I think. Yeah. So like, it's much smaller, but it still feels like the stakes are there in the right place. It's like a guy who's still too young, too in over his head, but he learns how powerful he can be, and it's just it suits what they're trying to do very very well. This was very well written. It's still a Marvel movie. It's got all the tropes of a Marvel movie. So they're still kind of following the template, except for the part where the parental figure dies. Yeah. It's, you know, it's still, you know, the Kevin Feige um, uh, strong hand kind of controlling everything. Yeah. But it's got what made Ant-Man work, made Guardians work. It's like, you still have the director able to come in and have his personal touch while still having the studio influence kind of directing the wider narrative. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's mm-hmm. just that I felt that after I've seen so many films from Marvel and so many Spider-Man movies, especially. Yes, I figured with this going back to Marvel in the way, this Homecoming would be a lot more than that. But what we got was a pretty serviceable film for me. Anyway, anyway, I felt the stakes weren't as high as it should be, but I can okay. understand where they're going at. All right. But maybe it's just because of me just wanting more from the studio who made Spider-Man in the first place, who made 
Iron Man a relevant superhero all over again with his magic. You know that the stakes with Iron Man isn't that big, but it's still, you feel, feel like Gravitas. This one, I do not feel it, feel anything. Like, it won't be so bad if Parker lost when you think about it. Um, when I think of it that way, per se, uh... I don't know, that's just me. Because, again, I just don't feel it, per se. But props to how it was handled, like, especially with Vulture as a villain and all that. But still, maybe the action scenes were just also very I feel, okay. I feel like the stakes felt lower because they weren't direct. They were low, they were low, yes. It, was, it wasn't because, you know, bad shit wouldn't happen if the villain won. It you know, bad shit would have happened because he's stealing Stark tech yeah, yeah. and trying to sell it on, a, on the, the black market. You know, indirectly, that would be a serious issue mm-hmm. and then nipping it in the bud. But because you're not seeing directly like, you know, New York's going to fall apart or someone isn't immediately going to die, you have to kind of read between the lines in the stakes. And that's why I felt like they did a very clever way of saying that it feels smaller, but you know wider impact-wise, he's doing something as important, uh, arguably, as what Iron Man did. But because he's still a kid, he's still in school, they needed to make it believably more low-key. Mm-hmm. Because if it was another big world-ending thing, they couldn't explain away why the Avengers weren't getting involved. Which is a big argument we had against, you know, I guess the that's second four movie, for example. Yeah, I guess that's what the writers need to figure out, per se. Yeah. Because what, I'm watching, what I watched here, like, a few days ago, good stuff, but still not really making me care too much. Maybe yet. to add to that, you know, I think I feel this way, and I want to ask if you agree with me, uh, is it because is it the main discrepancy being that this Spider-Man and Spider-Man is literally the marquee f- character from Marvel? He is up there with Superman and Batman. Of course, yeah, of course. Point. And the thing is, it felt a bit lackluster because you were kind of expecting for a Spider-Man movie, especially after the culmination of all the other Spider-Man movies and the MCU in general, and the fact that just remember like back in a few years ago where they were like it was such a big deal when they revealed him in the trailer for yeah. Civil War yeah. it's like that they was, got Spider-Man yeah, back yeah. You know? and they're gonna do great things with him in his next movie and the, the thing movie is like, after that so yeah. it's basically like you know a fart in the pond for you because basically you were hoping for a huge explosion and all of a sudden like oh it's just a small movie with this new actor not an explosion per se I'm looking for my Spider-Man 2 train scene moment I'm looking for my Spider-Man 1 yeah, that Green Goblin 2's moment or the moment where Green Green Goblin speaks to himself in the mirror, you know? That kind of thing. Something that really just captures... Yeah, yeah and I know why those movies did that, because again, comic book films back in the day had to do it that way. But you also have But to- I like that, that's the thing. I wanted... I mean, I don't want it too corny, but I wanted that sort of same gravitas from Homecoming. And also... I didn't get that. I would say this also, like, for this Spider-Man movie, it's not going up against the legacy that it created literally in the last five years. Like, when Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, the, the Sam Raimi movies came out, there was nothing going against that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically, uh, like, you know, a spark in the bucket of its own existence, right? Like, it wasn't going to be compared to 80s or 70s Superman. Like, yes, there are some hallmarks you need to attain. Yeah, yeah, everyone time. also compares Man of Steel and Batman v Superman with yeah. the legacy it has too. So why not Spider-Man as well? So I think... It, that, we have to be fair in this uh, equation I mean, anyway, like, right? Were you expecting it to be Avengers-level Oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to be... Just this, this grab me, per se. But again, Spider-Man 1 and 2, again, if Doctor Octopus 1, I guess part of New York is gone, I guess. This one, I did not feel that much of a danger coming in from seeing whatever the hell Vulture did. He steals some shit. Could sure. it be because it works too well as a standalone movie and not part of a bigger universe? Not really. I mean, again, Spider-Man 1 and 2, the first few ones, they sort of worked on its own universe, per se. Mm. This one, again, it feels... I don't want... I don't want okay. It just feels like fluff, in a sense. It's serviceable. Uh, I mean, I don't agree at all. I just feel like it. maybe 
because they tried to make it smaller and they did it maybe a bit too well. And I agree that, you know, compared to the Spider-Man we saw in Civil War, we're expecting maybe something a bit bigger. But I like that they're showing that they can still do smaller, almost bottle films mm. within the wider cinematic yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah, I'm not discounting that. I mean, again, that's why Thor 2 and Iron Man 2 sort of didn't work, but also it wasn't a terrible film. Well, yeah. I'm also seeing it in that perspective for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, because, again, maybe it's legacy building, or maybe it's because you expect more from a studio. But, again, I, I respect that. What, you, you like it? That's awesome too. But for me, as a guy who's been in check with this for a very long time, it could have been better, per se. Like, could have been better. Well, I mean, a lot of things could have been better. I'm just saying that I see the points you're trying to make. I just don't agree with how serious you see those points. And mm. maybe it's just me because I didn't grow up with the comics and I've only seen, you know, the previous films. I don't give a shit about the legacy. Mm, okay, <laughs> then it worked out for you. Yeah, like, I just see it as a standalone. And because it's still an origin story, it's not true origin, because, you know, they don't show the spider bite, they reference it. We don't it. need to see that anymore. That's why it works. It's because they felt confident enough to say this is just a small matter. And yeah, they're going to do bigger things with Spider-Man. He's definitely going to be the next big Avengers when they I have do no, the I have, I have no arguments about the second movie being bigger, that's for sure. So yeah. maybe this could be like a stopgap until we see a better yeah. Spider-Man film and, from Marvel. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a stopgap, but it's a fucking good stopgap. I mean, mm. if this is Marvel playing it safe, playing it small... And this is still really high quality, you know, when they go all out, all stoppers, you know, when they bring in Sinister Six, when they bring in Green Goblin. Which I don't... In, think in a better way, in a better light than in... That's not going to happen, because I'm sure Sony still owns the rights to, like, Venom, Sinister Six. They still have their yeah, they're desires. Make, they're they making, can pick other villains They're making an R-rated Venom next year. Yeah. Which they said is... And there's anti-Venom, don't forget. Which they say is going to exist in the Spider-Man universe, but not the Marvel universe. Mm. And yeah, that's crazy. I can see there's going to be issues, because when... Um, what's her name? Amy something, the creative lead in, at Sony was explaining it in an interview with Kevin Feige. You can see Kevin Feige like mm. holding back, trying to not punch her into submission, <laughs> saying, You don't understand universe building! <laughs> like Kevin Feige does? Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah. at the same time, I would say this, like... Um, Maybe not as a detriment, but the idea is, I know the character Spider-Man deserves a big marquee, standalone, yeah. box office smash movie, but we didn't get that. We get something a little bit smaller, a little bit more you know, conservative, and a little bit more... But still good, but still good. Still good. And, it, and what I liked about what I'm hearing is basically it's focus on the characters rather than constantly reminding you, hey, this is other thing we're doing with the MCU, this mm. is whole Avengers and Thanos thing. And it's nice for like the studios and for like MCU in general to just take a step back and like just give you like oh, here's a nice little standalone thing. You don't have to feel the weight of needing to be a part of this other huge universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's appreciable as well. But maybe because there's so much character building on this, the action bits sort of feel like safe, Luster? safe, safe, traditional. Yeah. yeah, I mean you know that he's gonna get through that, but you're not gonna find that same sort of like. I mean, there is still high-flying, but not as much as it was when Spider-Man, when Sam Raimi tried to prove himself. But maybe because I'm being very harsh, because, again, this all, all these past movies back then just made me build up the hype to be like, oh, I expect more from, this, from these guys, yeah, per se. I guess. The thing is, if they'd made a big temple film now with Homecoming, I don't feel like they would have deserved it, because they didn't introduce him enough to give him that power base, because he was literally... A kid from Queens who was brought in way over his head during Civil War. And they reflected that perfectly in the Stark... Um, 
I don't know. They could have had their cake and eat it too, in a sense. Yeah, Maybe I I would have come across as disingenuous if they had done that. So this is the Spider-Man they needed to make. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, especially in this day and age, and especially after the debacle of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Oh, gosh. oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I want more of this Spider-Man coming up. I mean, like, I have no complaints about Tom Holland. Great just, stuff. I think it's a constant reminder to be grateful that Sony let this happen. Yeah. You know, even though I'm pretty sure it's like a fifty-fifty partnership. It feels like a fifty-fifty. Um, Sony's gonna get all of the money from um, sales of this film. Probably Audi as well too. I mean, <laughs> you could tell that when Spider-Man was well, driving that car, it's like shout out to product placement. Yeah. Wait, hey, at least pretty strong product placement. Least, I mean, not, not as bad as Man of Steel, but hey, still not as bad as Dairy Queen. Huh? Yeah, not as bad. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, at least it wasn't your everyone using Sony tablets again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing can top that. Finally, period. an iPhone somewhere. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody can top that. Yeah. But does it need to be said that, yeah, we don't need to say that this is better than the previous two Spider-Man films. Yeah, I mean, not to be said. I'm just saying it's better than the Raimi trilogy. <laughs> I don't agree with that wholeheartedly at uh, all. Well, yeah, feel free to be wrong. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, fuck <up> you, Whitey. <laughs> no, but, okay, if anything, right, it's just maybe, for me, okay, I haven't seen the film. And the thing is, I've just been reading the views, listening to you guys, and I'm actually very keen to jump back into Spider-Man because what I mentioned earlier in the podcast is like I kind of lost interest in Spider-Man of course. even though growing up he was a big part of my uh, pop culture comic book you know um, upbringing yeah definitely and I mean like he and Batman very essential characters to me and I just want to see these guys succeed so, oh yeah, yeah they will succeed that's not an oh, issue yeah, this here. is gonna make plenty of money I feel like the budget was a bit smaller in this one mm. I, I think they spent more money on getting big names like Keaton and I mean it's not like they detracted from the action scenes. They were still and that vulture suit does look good. Oh, the vulture suit looks really believable. Yeah, this is better than the comics. Oh yeah, um, and I feel like they had their train scene. I mean, not the emotional impacts, but just showcasing that. Wait until we have. Oh, I mean that bit where it was actually carrying that rubble after the vulture did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you actually earned that, honestly. I think that's more like when you sort of figured out that you've grown up as a hero per se, then you do that moment. Well, I think... We didn't use that in the comics because it was like, oh, I'm gonna die, but no, nope, I'm not gonna give up. Here, I don't feel that investment at all when he did that. It's like, uh, oh, we're doing it because it's the comics. I he think, did that. I mean, they rushed it, I agree, but he did earn it because it's when he finally realized, I don't need a fancy suit to be me. Like, I was fighting crime before... Um, you know, Tony Stark came and picked me that's up. Exact- I will fight afterwards. That's exactly one of the things I was worried about because the thing is, right, when they were hinting at the fact that Tony Stark's involvement would also involve a suit and all this technology that will enhance him. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of afraid because like Spider-Man... Spider-Man. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't want a modified <laughs> Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man is fucking strong for But it's still the same color scheme and everything. Just I mean, like, I'm not even shoot. talking about the, co- the color scheme. I'm talking about the fact that like Spider-Man is extremely strong for a person yeah shoots web okay I they're going back to the web cartridges right? yeah, yeah, yeah it's web not, cartridges it's not, actually not organic like, spider which is what I kind of liked about the Sam Raimi one because then is the one less thing you need to explain in your movie yeah. or to add to your origin but yeah. also at the same time like I would also say like uh We've we know enough about Spider-Man to just go and give him a huge tentpole movie, mm-hmm. which they didn't do. Which I kind of understand because the thing is, after all the deliberation with Sony and like getting the character back, this is a very nice, I would say, toe in the bathtub like yeah. Spider-Man movie. Like it's big enough, or it's gonna be epic enough, but not gonna be amazing. It's Definitely. not gonna be spectacular. Yeah. Oh, there, spider puns. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more sensational more than amazing for me. But I would say it it's not. more sincere than sensational. Okay, sincere yeah. Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, the sincere Spider-Man. That's why they should have like, <laughs> yeah, titled yeah. this movie. You know. Well, like, they can't use superior now. Well, if you compare the 
Sony ones, yeah. Right, <laughs> doesn't um, take much for that. Yeah. So, okay, maybe when it comes to the story and the aesthetics, anything you guys want to add on it? Like, what do you think of the I like that. I like the last part. I mean, just before the credits. That, that was actually one thing I remember the most about the film. Like, they actually revealed, I mean, on, I guess I could spell oh. it, Aunt Mino, you know? Uh, oh yeah, Aunt May finds out at yeah. the very end. Well, she does find out in the comics eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so they, I'm just happy. I'm just happy that she went that route. Yeah, like, okay. There awesome. was an element once he defeats Vulture, not killing him, like the first, um, well, maybe the second Marvel villain to not get killed. Spider Man doesn't kill. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's like one of those guys. Yeah, he, there's a scene where he's in jail. Usually the villains kill themselves. Yeah, and yeah. he meets Scorpion in jail. Really? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, because he did the deal at the ferry. Because Matt Gargan was actually at the ferry. Who's yeah. gonna play Scorpion? Mac Some the, no, some nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's like he looks like every other Latino I mean, um, if, character. I guess with the scar and all that, that's gonna yeah. be a Mac Gargan. Yeah. Who's also the new Venom as well, by the way? Oh God. Uh, really? Yeah. In the in the comics. Oh yeah. okay. And there's also the, a bit near the end where um, he gets invited to the new Avengers stronghold. And Tony Stark is saying, oh, come in, you're going to go live next to Vision. You know, here's your new suit, you're going to be a new Avenger. And he says, no, I don't want to be there yet. I still want to grow up, which... That was that works. And it's also partly Marvel saying, we're not going too far ahead. We're still going to let him be him before we make him the next Avenger. But it was, it's played very well. But yeah. I would say that would be the perfect Peter Parker response. Yeah. Because yeah, he yeah, is yeah. humble. He yeah, is, yes. you know, even though naive, he is also very aware that there are things beyond his If he knows it is, if this is beyond him, he'll just stay yeah. over the way it was, you know? I mean, like, so this to me feels like it would be an amazing, it would have an amazing sequel because, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. you got the setup out of the way. Exactly. Okay, and you have Michael Keaton who could possibly return as uh, the constant bad guy. You just mentioned right there my issue. I mean, I won't say it's a big issue. Again, setup movie. Works as a setup movie, not as anything else for me. So okay. yeah, as a standalone, it's a little bit. It falls a little bit short. Uh, I guess so. When you want to mention that way, but it's a good. It, but it's a good. It's a good intro. It's but a good as intro. a part of a cog in the mechanizations of the entire. It's episode. a damn good cog. Yeah. Yeah. It's a damn least. good cog yeah. compared to like you know Iron Man three or Thor two. Or oh no 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 no! <laughs> Iron Man two. Iron Man three is good for me. It's I hated Iron Man three, man. It is a shame black film. I'm actually kind of surprised you hated no, it. A, it's a great shame black movie, not a great Iron Man movie. It's a terrible Mandarin. You're still movie. sad. You're still sore Fuck about that, Mandarin. Man. You know? yeah. Okay, now we should go to our final rating of the film. So Tom, eight solid eight out of ten. Nice, respectable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go with because again, I'm you know comparing it with other Marvel films and also yeah, you have to stack it to the legacy. Six out of ten. Six out of yeah. six. Still a damn, still a good film, but could be better. Okay. So it's a strong better. C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a B minus. Okay, B minus would be better. B minus would be a fair assessment of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would hurt nerdy Peter Parker <laughs> to the core. Yeah. And it would hurt again, Garfield more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll probably hurt Tobey Maguire more too. Tobey Maguire doesn't care, man. <laughs> he doesn't. He's done with this shit. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so that has been our Spider-Man Homecoming review yeah. over here at the last. And now Homecoming Park. episode. Yeah. yeah. Almost Homecoming. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Now, how shall we end this? Like this. Like this. Nah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. You know, tell us. Guys, tell us what you think about The Last King, what you think about Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, all the social media, media stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, Toffee, anything fine? Any final words? Uh, fuck Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> I second that one. 
Uh, I would say fuck at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that had to. I'll, you have to get in a that long too. line for that one, my yeah. friend. Oh, I would eat. Marissa told me never change, please. I would oh, eat a mile of shit to get that ass. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, signing out. <laughs>